Good morning. Welcome to sermon number two. Um, we are able today to conclude in our series, the I Am's. We're looking at John 15. First, I want to tell you a little bit of, about me growing up and some things that happened because I think it'll paint a picture of John 15. That's where we are today. John 15, if you want to go ahead and turn there, that'd be great. John chapter 15. I, I grew up, um, if you don't know already, I went to business school first, University of Georgia. How many Georgia Bulldog fans do we have out there? Awesome. The exact same thing happened in the first service. Like, I got no response. And I literally thought to myself, the second service is full of people who love Jesus. They'll support me. Nothing, nothing. Um, yeah, I ended up going to business school, and God just kept working in me. And all of a sudden, before I knew it, he's like, man, you've got to go to seminary. You've got to preach. And I remember, like, I preached. I was invited to preach in high school once. And I was 16, 17 years old. I preached the first sermon. They're like, you've got 25 to 30 minutes. If you could keep it in that time frame. I think it was like 11 minutes later, I was over. Like, I was done. I had shared everything I knew about God. In 11 minutes, I was like, God loves you, and he's really cool. you got to know him. Let's pray. And I was so nervous about preaching for the very first time. I mean, I still remember it. I can tell you where I was standing on the stage. Um, I did not move at all, just like today. I don't ever move. And so I just stood there, and I got off that stage as quickly as I could. Uh, God then, though, through so many different things and opportunities he started to give me in college he was calling me to ministry and I, I didn't fully grasp all of it yes my father was a pastor but I didn't really grasp all that that would mean I knew that I didn't want to do it I felt very extremely inadequate so even when I went to seminary I've always been the guy that when I get around the scholars the PhDs right you know what I'm talking about um, I get really insecure um, and I'm still somewhat like that today um, and I, I'm just like how can I preach I've just I've always had a struggle with an ad and an inadequacy of being able to preach one of the reasons is even languages um, you know I've struggled with that and I've told talked about that a little bit and I can hardly speak English much less Greek or Hebrew is the way that I look at it. And I remember when I'm, I'm trying to graduate from seminary early, this is just one example. Um, the dean, Alan Culpepper, he was, a, he was a good friend of mine. We would go and we'd play racquetball together. Um, he was probably 25 years or so, um, maybe 30 years my senior, but we'd go play racquetball. And we would just, between games, talk about God and all he was and what he meant to us. And we'd talk about scripture and I'd house sit for him. He'd come home from speaking somewhere and we'd have more conversation. And it was amazing opportunity. And I've, I just appreciate those, those opportunities that I had. But I remember I wanted to go ahead and graduate. He's like, well, you, you need a second semester of, of Greek. Um, it's cool when the dean, you know him well enough where he's kind of your counsel and your advisor. And he's like, but you need a second semester of Greek. I tell you what, you come to my office twice a week for the entire semester and we'll read Greek together and we'll let that count. And I went outside and I threw up. I, he's a scholar. Like he has written so many bo books on the Greek and with the gospel of Luke and, and also with Mark. And I'm going, I was nervous. I'm thinking like right now, my stomach is a little janky. It's a little messed up thinking about it. That's how nervous I was. And I'd be like, so do you, what, 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 like, I'd be just like this. What, what chapter you want us to read tomorrow? Cause I wanted to go home and memorize everything I could. 
He's like, oh, we'll just figure it out when you come in. Don't worry about it. I'm like, no! I, and so I get around these people, and they start using these words, and I'm still back on the second word they use, and they just threw out 18. I'm going, hang on a second, hang on a second. I'm trying to register it, and I'm not trying to demean myself at all. I'm just saying it's always made me nervous. How could I preach when some of those things are a struggle? I, I was committed. I was like, I'm going to memorize the Gospel of Luke. I've got to memorize the Gospel of Luke. And so I worked so hard to memorize the Gospel of Luke. And I can tell you the movement and the flow of every section of every chapter. But I just can't memorize. I don't know what's wrong with my brain sometimes. And I'm working so hard to do it. And then all of a sudden I came to a passage in John chapter 15. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And the chapter continues, and it speaks about abiding in Christ. It says, if you abide with me, you're going to bear fruit. Abide with me, right? It reminds me of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, being earnest in your desire to know God. If you abide in me, you're going to bear fruit. And I was like, I can do that. Like, all of a sudden, I started gaining some courage of going, you know, I, I can't be the smartest guy out there and memorize every word, and I don't know languages that well, but man, I can abide with Jesus. He loves me. And it started to shift the way that I even started to understand God. I can abide with them. And today we need people who want to abide with God. To abide with His Son. So here's Jesus, and he's calling out. We'll get into the details here in a second, but he's calling out in John 15. That's, this passage means a lot to me. And he's saying, abide in me, abide in me. And I used not to really know what that means. Hopefully after today, you'll know more of what that means for yourself personally. But he just kept saying, abide in me. And I was like, I can do that. I can abide with him. And if I abide with him, my confidence is found in him. My security is found in him. My life is found in him. My relationships are grounded in him. And I can do that. You ever had that moment where you're like, yes! And so we learn, if you want to have a fulfilling life, a, a fruitful life, and we're going to get into that as well. If you want to have a fruitful life, a fruitful life is only found in abiding in Jesus. That's it. If you want to have a fruitful life, a, a fulfilling life, a purposeful life, it is only found in abiding in Jesus dwelling in Jesus, sitting with Jesus, being saturated by Jesus. So how do we even get to this? John 15, how do we even get to it? Um, give you a little bit more background here. In John 13, we know that Jesus is having the Last Supper with the disciples. 
So I want to help you register the events that are happening when he's speaking these words. Because as you learn this, and as you understand and be even reminded for some of you of what's been happening and taking place, it's going to give significance to this. In John chapter 13, he's last supper. And this is where he's even predicting the betrayal of Judas. Judas ends up leaving, and he continues to teach the other disciples. John chapter 14 through 17, Jesus is then seen as just, he's just constantly teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. John chapter 18. I'll come back to it. I'm painting context for you. John chapter 18, what we find is Jesus is already in the Garden of Gethsemane. So here he is. He's then arrested, right? And then he's crucified. You're following me so far? John 13, Last Supper. John 14, 15, 16, 17. He's teaching. He's doing all these things. All of a sudden, John 18, Garden of Gethsemane. And then all of a sudden, he's being arrested. And then he's being crucified next day. So... Last so all this stuff is happening, he just keeps teaching. And yet, if you think about where he's gone from the Last Supper in the upper room until the garden, there's no vineyards there. So why is he now coming out and saying, I am the vine? Remember, I am's, the metaphors about Jesus. He's painting a picture of who he really is. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. And he just keeps going to him. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. And he talks about all these different ways of understanding who he is. So Jesus was a guy, he would take anything that he would see and he would be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the drummer and you know, that kind of thing. And he would use that as something that mattered to them to help them understand who he was. So why is he talking about I am the vine? Well, one of the things that would happen is, um, and that you would even see if you were there in Jerusalem, is over, and jo, um, Josephus and other people even wrote about this, that over one of the temple gates, there was a giant golden vine. Because if you look in the Old Testament, God often, through his prophets, would speak about Israel in relationship to the vine and the gardener and the, the root of that and everything that that would mean. I'll give you a couple of examples. Jeremiah 2.21. Jeremiah 2.21 says, Yet I planted you a choice vine. I planted you a choice vine. Holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? Isaiah 5.1-7 is a passage I would tell you, you may want to write down and go read that. I'll refer to it again a little bit later, just a small portion of it. But Isaiah 5.1-7, another passage would be Ezekiel 15, Ezekiel chapter 15, 4-5, another passage that speaks about this very thing. And so here, Ezekiel 5, uh, 15, 4-5, he says, Behold, it is given to the fire for fuel talking about the vines that don't produce. When the fire has consumed both ends of it and the middle of it is charred, it, is it useful for anything? Behold, when it was whole, it was used for nothing. How much less when the fire has consumed it and it is charred, can it be used for anything? So here's Jesus in John chapter 15 and the people who would have been listening to him, they would have been a, at least somewhat familiar with this type of language of the vine, etc. okay? Because they would have known the Jewish customs and the Jewish law. So here, what comes is Jesus is now saying, I am the vine. So over one of these big arches in the temple, you have these vines in gold coming down. I can imagine Jesus right now as he's walking by and he's standing there teaching. And he's pointing up at him and going, guess what? Here it is. I am the vine. You are the branches. 
If a man remains in me, you're going to bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And right there, once again, feathers are being ruffled. They don't like this very much. But you start to understand the picture and the significance of what Jesus is talking about. Now all of a sudden that he's stepping in and he's calling out these very words. Now he's calling out, I am the true vine. I am the Messiah. I am the King of Israel. And so as we jump into his word today, I want to read, with you understanding a little bit of the context, John chapter 15, at least the first portion of it. Would you please stand with me for the reading of the word of God? The first several verses we'll put up here, and then I'll continue on a little bit further. It says, I am the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. My father is the, the gardener, would be some translations. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does not bear fruit, not bearing fruit in something, what's he do? Takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, burned if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. Remember, Jesus Christ constantly just keeps pointing back, right? The purpose of anybody who is a transformed follower of Jesus is to give glory to the Father, glory to the Father, glory to the Father. It's a theme that runs throughout the Gospel of John. Why? So that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So, there's a lot to cover here. Honestly, John chapter 15 could be a six or even an eight-week series by itself, and I'm trying to throw it out there on the second part of a second sermon in the same message. So it's, we're doing the very, very best that we can right now. But um, one, you've got the branches. So maybe you want to write these things down very quickly as well. The branches, who are the branches? That's you and that's me. All right, Jesus is saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. So you've got the branches, that's you, that's me, someone who's trying to abide with Christ. You've got the vine. Who's the vine? We're going to have class participation today. The vine is Jesus. Who's the vine? Well done, cheaters. And so um, you've got the branches, you've got the vine. Um, Israel is actually the stump, and then the gardener is God, the Father, the vine dresser. Uh, the very last word there says also in verse 1. Um, and so you've got the gardener, the vine dresser there, as being God. 
This is important because you recognize that if you are the vine and he is the branches, there's nothing that you can do apart from him that's worth anything of value. And that is so hard. I think about today's world and where we are. That's a hard pill to swallow if you're not a follower in Jesus. Hey, by the way, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ and if you don't rely on him as being the vine, if you don't rely on that vine as being your source of energy, if you don't rely on the vine as being your strength, as your guide, then there's nothing you can do of, of true value. But that's what a transformed follower believes. That's why we're his slave. We belong to Jesus. My opinions, my preferences were completely given up. If, you have believed in, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you give up those things. Now we are to represent Jesus in the fight for the ability and the opportunity to glorify him at every single corner of our life. That's the role of a believer of Jesus Christ. And so we have to start remembering all of these other things that, that if he really is divine, then we rely on him. And it's amazing what he says in John chapter 15 in the first couple of verses. I'm the vine, my father's divine dresser, the gardener. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, every branch does not bear fruit. What's he do? He takes it away. He takes it away. And what's he do with it? He ends up cutting it up, putting it in the fire and burns it. So if there's an area of your life that's not producing the fruit of Christ, it should be removed. In fact, your desire of a believer as being a believer should be that it be removed because you only have so much energy, energy to give. And so if your energy is going to something other than giving glory to God, then you want that to be removed so that you can give greater energy to giving glory to God. This is a portion that really is remarkable to me. He says, every branch, this is the end of verse 2, every branch that does bear fruit, every branch that does bear fruit, even if you're living a life that is portraying Christ, that's reflecting Jesus, you're like, yeah, look at me. I just prayed with someone, which would be great, but we're going, yeah. But he goes, no, even if you are bearing fruit in your life, I'm going to still prune that because I want it to produce even more fruit. Maybe one of the struggles that the church has had over the generations is that we've had the mentality of good enough. Well, I showed up at church. Isn't that good enough? I'm at church in the midst of a pandemic. Mic drop, I'm good. Right? Maybe you have that mentality. But that's not biblical. Biblical is, hey, even if you are producing fruit, even if you're sharing your faith, even if you're living in me, I'm going to still prune those areas because I want you to produce even more fruit. That's why we say what? We're transformed followers of Jesus and transformation is a continual process, not a what? One time event. It's a continual process. We just keep growing in the journey of transformation. Keep growing. Keep moving forward and keep learning and keep being transformed in him. We want him to prune us. We want him to teach us. We want him to grow us. Um one of the things that would happen with the vineyards there, and we know how it is, maybe you know how it is, we have vineyards here in Michigan. Um, I would go to a family farm in Florida and we had something called scuppinons. Anybody know what scuppinons are? Okay, Georgia, no, scuppinons, no. Scuppinons, you can research them, Google them. It's like a large grape, really fat, really plump, okay? Um, they grow well in Florida 
And so we have big vines similar to this that we would have at my grandmother's farm. And we would go, we'd had several rows of them, and we would go and pick them. And one of the jobs that I would have as a kid when I would work there in the summer sometimes is if I wasn't in the, a watermelon field or helping with the cattle or something like that with bells of hay, then I would sometimes have a pocket full of twist ties. You know what I'm talking about? Bread, twist tie. And I would go because some of the, the branches would have fallen and they'd be on the ground. So we'd come and we knew if they were on the ground, they may have some scuppernons on them initially. But if you give them any time whatsoever, they're going to be gone. And actually the whole thing can then get a disease from sitting in the dirt. Like everything would get sick. And so we would go and we would take those branches and we would tie them up to the vine and to the strings we would have multiple strings coming down in between the timber that we had to hold everything up you're there with me I think that's what God is wanting to do for us I think God is wanting to step into our own lives and help us to recognize hey listen I know you love me But right now, you got some branches that are lying on the ground. And the fruit's being eaten up. And it's rotting. And it's actually providing to serve as an opportunity for disease to ruin all of it. And he's saying, hey, but... I want to I help you here, but some of us, honestly, right now, there's so much resistance. God is coming and saying, hey, let me help you out here, and, and let me get this branch, and let me tie it. He's like, no, 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 I'm good on my own. And we don't want help. And we're losing our fruit. And we don't even recognize that we're stepping into areas that's actually serving as an agent of disease for the rest of the body. You're following me, yeah? Anybody see this in our world today within the walls of churches? Anybody? And it's in our homes. Some of us don't even know what we're actually even bringing into our homes. And we're going, oh, we'll get to it, it'll be fine. And the, the branches are lying in the dirt living in disease. And Jesus is looking and he's standing outside the temple and he's got this beautiful golden arch above him with just vines and he's looking at him and he goes, guys, I'm the vine. Like, apart from me, like you don't get it, just abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. Then you're going to know what it is to bear fruit. Abide in me. But if you're letting your branches lie in the dirt and just grow old and rot and decay and even bring disease in to everybody else around you, what do you do? Abide in me. I think sometimes we have parts and maybe that's a question I need to be asking you do can you even identify the parts of your life right now that are, are possibly lying in the dirt that you're not giving appropriate care to that you've neglected and maybe it's a child maybe it's a grandchild maybe it's a neighbor or a friend maybe you're the one you'll speak about every opinion you have but you're too cowardice to speak about Jesus 
Right now, I'm telling you if, you, if you, if you are a transformed follower of Jesus, the greatest desire now in your life is to give glory to the Father. And one of the ways that you give glory to the Father is by speaking of the power of his love to everybody you come in contact with. We've raised generations of people who have been muzzled in speaking of the faith of Jesus Christ. If you believe he is the only way to know the Heavenly Father, you tell your friends. Did I tell you there's going to be a third sermon? I'm coming back again. Ah, people are desperate to know freedom. And I know that not everybody is going to believe. I need to look at the people watching right now. I know not everybody out there will believe in Jesus Christ, but there is victory and salvation and freedom in Jesus for everybody, no matter who you are. Any branch that doesn't bear fruit, get rid of it. And go home and talk about that. Go home and say, hey, what are the branches in your life and are they producing fruit? Are you spending energy toward Jesus? And that's one way I know it's a a funny kind of question, like how do you spend energy toward Jesus? But we only, the reason I say it like this is because we only have so much energy to give in life, period, Toward work, toward friends, toward family, toward our kids, right? We all know kids. I love kids. Like, I miss my kids already. Been gone for a day and a half, and I'm like, oh, I miss my kids. Like, my wife and I, we are not going to know what to do when we're empty nesters. I know this. It's a lot easier to feed two of us. Praise God. (laughs) First night, I'm like, oh, I guess I need to cook. And we have 18 pounds of chicken left over. Um, You only have so much energy to give. Children are one of our greatest idols today. Like, what are you giving your energy to? Are you giving your energy to produce the fruit by abiding in Jesus? Followers of Jesus produce, please hear this. Followers of Jesus, it's about to switch, watch this. Boom. Followers of, I so wish that could have, like, I could just do that. Um, Followers of Jesus produce more fruit as we mature. That's a hard lesson too. I was speaking about it previously. Like we need to start going, hey, God, let that be a prayer. God, how do you want me producing more fruit right now in my life? Don't let me settle in. That's what the church did. And so generations later, they settled in to look, hey, it's good enough. We're We're doing okay. He calls out more here, and he's, he's looking at him. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And some people read that and they go, that's just harsh. Isn't that right, though? If you've got something not producing Christ, don't you, if you're a believer, don't you want that to be ripped away, even if painful? How selfish is it to say, I'd rather live a life not producing the very thing that I claim to give me salvation? Is that, is that the stance? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if, I'm, if you're sitting in me and I'm sitting in you, and listen, 
You're going to give my Father glory. And you're going to love the way that I love other people. We've been chosen. If you go down all the way, verse, if you read those first 17 verses completely, you'll, you'll recognize we've been chosen, we've been appointed to bear fruit and to share it with others if we abide in him. So that, that whole understanding of abiding in him, a, a fruitful life, a fulfilling life is found only by abiding in Jesus. And we know that it's found only by abiding in Jesus, only by abiding in Jesus. How do we do that then? So I want to give you very quickly, I want to give you three things, ways that you can abide in Jesus. And if you do, I'm telling you, there's about to be significant change in your life. So get ready for that. Three things, and they're not on your notes or anything else. It's again, it's called windshield time when you're driving forever and God just keeps working in you and all the kids are asleep and you're praying and I'm praying for friends here at church and all these things and I'm like, one of the things that we've got to understand and the world doesn't like it, but I love talking about this even with young couples before they get married, is if you really wanna know what it is to abide in Jesus, you need to submit to him. Just write that down, submit to him. Please write it down. Like, can everybody just take your hand and act like you're writing it. It makes me feel better. You don't like Georgia, you don't like scuppernons, at least act like you're writing something. You submit, that's, the believer has submitted to Jesus Christ. Your life is not your own. Not to share your opinion, not to share your preference, to share Jesus. It's the Bible. So you submit to him. So go home and talk about that too. Go home and talk, hey, how are, what's an area in our life? What's a branch that's lying on the ground, not being submissive to God? It's doing its own thing. It's, it's just taking off another direction. And I remember one time, sometimes what can take place is the branch can fall to the ground and sometimes if, if the conditions are right, they start to take root on the ground and the, the, the roots start to go into the soil and they start to hold up and they just keep going. And they're, they're going away from what? The very thing that they should be attached to. And maybe you have that area of your life that's not submitted to the Father and isn't really in His will, and you need to identify that. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in or anything else, whatever it may be. Identify it. If you claim to know Jesus, identify it and submit it to Him. So submit to Him. The second thing I'm going to invite you to do is to sit with Him. Submit to Him and sit with Him. This is why I, uh, five minutes. I'm asking for everybody in here five minutes a day for the next week to read John chapter 15, verse 1 through 17. And then that'll take you about three minutes, two minutes, whatever. And then the other two, like time it. Get a timer out. And I know for some of you, like I do that already. Great. Add five minutes to whatever you're already doing. But at least five minutes sit with him. Let him speak to you. We're, we're God working us. We want to produce your fruit. We want to be about you. And we kind of think it, and we're off to the races, and we're expecting him to yell at us as we're already halfway down the street. Sit with the Father. So I'm going to invite you to submit to him, to, to also sit with him, and then finally to speak of him.
speak of him. If you abide in someone, you know what you do? You get to know them and you love them and you speak of them. Everybody knows I love my wife. I, I talk about her all the time. She's always like, please don't use me as an illustration. And I'm like, whatever. And uh, I love her. She, she pushes me toward Jesus. She sharpens me, makes me better. She's like, uh, she embraces the hard that I, I get to do. And she goes, I'm here for you no matter what. Let's go. Right? I'm like, okay, that's great. Well, it's really hard to say, man, I'm abiding with my wife if I'm embarrassed to let you know who my wife is. Right? It's really hard to abide with someone, to dwell with them, to live with them, to know them, be intimate with them, and not let you know who they are. Like even my brother over here, this is Pastor Nathan Potter, and this is my brother in Christ. I love this man. Like right when I met him, I knew I was going to end up hiring him. He's like, well, I don't know. And I just chuckled. I was like, oh, God's going to have his way. <laughs> Hired this guy out of Savannah. I brought him back up to the real place of loving God. Amen. I'm trying to go northern for you guys. But it's, it'd be really hard if I said, man, yeah, Nathan and I, we're tight, man. I, I love this man, but I never let you meet him. I never introduce you to him. Can I abide with someone, dwell with them, and, and care for them, and love them, and not let you ever know about them? If you're abiding with Jesus Christ, you're speaking of Jesus Christ. And so you submit to him, and you sit with him, and you speak of him. Can I invite you to abide with Jesus? Abide with him, bear much fruit. I'm not that good at all the languages and understanding other things. There's a reason I have a financial advisor helping me with those things. And, um, but I can abide with Jesus. I can do that, amen? You can do that. And watch them bear fruit. God, I come before you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. And I call out to you that every single person in this place right now would know what it is to abide with you, to dwell with you, to sit with you, to, to be saturated by you, that you would work in their hearts and massage their hearts, caress their hearts as if they're struggling, if they're in crisis or chaos right now, God. May we know what it is to sit with you, to know you. May we know what it is to speak of you and your goodness. God, your courage will always outweigh the fear of the world. And we give you thanks. In Christ's name, amen.